Welcome one and welcome all to yet another episode of Chillin' with Kofi. We have a great guest for you today. I am so excited to do this podcast. This is your favorite basketball writer's favorite basketball writer. Um, he now does NBA and WNBA for Basketball News and is host of the Dunker Spot podcast. It is Nikias Duncan. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, before we get on with the rest of this podcast, I like to have our guests do the self-promotion part now so that our listeners can uh, follow you on the internet and follow along as we talk during this podcast. So where can you be found on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Nikias NBA, a very original Twitter name. Uh, probably there you find all my written work at basketballnews.com. You can find my podcast, The Dunker Spot. On Apple, it's on Spotify. I believe it's back on Google now. We had some sort of glitch where another podcast in the network somehow got copied over hours on Google. So hopefully that is fixed. But that's where you can find me. Hey, I hope that gets fixed. It's always like RSS feeds are kind of hard to to navigate through sometimes because uh, the last podcast I did, I had to email Spotify support and be like, where is my episode oh, that no. I just recorded? <laughs> So you've had bylines basically at a lot of places. Up Rocks, Heat Beat Miami, SB Nation, Bleacher Report, Clutch Points, Fan Rag. And I want to ask, growing up, what got you interested in wanting to do sports journalism? Was there like a defining moment that like made it click or have you, has it just been an, always a gradual interest? I guess the easy answer is, is a little bit of both. I've always had an interest in Really, I always loved English, but like I definitely had an interest in writing and I also love sports. And, you know, when you're like seven, eight, nine years old, it's, oh, I want to play in the league. And, you know, you hit a certain age and you realize, hey, I'm probably not going to play in the league. So I need to find <laughs> a way to stay attached if this is, you know, if I want to maintain this interest. So I would say around like late middle school, like eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in that range. Um, I was helping run a Facebook page called NBA Talk. So that's where I was doing a lot of my my early blogging, helping oh. run that Facebook page. So I was doing that. And honestly, the audience that I kind of built from there translated over to Twitter when I finally got an account, because at that point, it wasn't necessarily looking for a writing, uh, a writing career. It was just something that I liked to do. And also, all of my friends were on Facebook, and then they all migrated to Twitter. So I was like, well... I guess I'll go ahead and migrate to Twitter, too. So I just kind of kept doing the same thing, just tweeting out basketball thoughts and stuff like that. And that's really where the freelance opportunity started kicking in. Um, like it started with um, full scale sports then it was the hoop stuff. And then I think after writing with those two spots, unpaid, of course, you know, both yeah. startups. Um, after that, I believe that's when I got hired on to FanRag. And that was my first paid opportunity. Oh, OK, that would have been May of 2015, I believe. And so from there, you know, once you start getting some money, it's like, hey, let's see if I can actually turn this into something. Right. So I was doing that while also going to school. I was at Winthrop um, for my first year. Um, just as a disclaimer, did not finish school, did not have my priorities in order, wasn't doing anything wild. It was just instead of doing my homework, I was uh, streaming games on sites with a bunch of pop ups. So. Right. Yeah. So I, I just did not. Uh, so I didn't get through that, but I did continue to build like freelance opportunities. So fan rag um, got connected with Heat Beat, 
eventually did Five Reasons, and then there was, um, you know, Dime and all the other places you named. Just kind of snowballed from there up until this past August is when I finally got my first full time opportunity. And it's been so cool to watch you watch you grow because we've known each other virtually for about maybe three, four years. Yeah, it's been so cool to watch you come go to place to place to place and just get more notoriety and become one of the most respected people on NBA Twitter and in the NBA writer verse as well. So I just want to commend you on that. I appreciate it, man. It's also weird. Weird how? Like maybe weird isn't the way to describe it, but like it's a different experience to like read a bunch of people like reading Zach Lowe and reading Chris Herring and Mike Prada and people like that. And to have them like, they're like quote tweeting my stuff now. It's just, it's just kind of it's yeah, it's a surreal feeling to be there. It's this kind of that's my general feeling. It's the imposter syndrome is always strong on this end. I'm trying oh. to Oh man, imposter syndrome. Yes. I do understand that. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Cause like I still see myself as like, you know, I'm still striving trying to get better. And I know that's very cliche to say, but I'm just kind of in my own bubble, watching a bunch of basketball, writing a bunch of basketball. And I'm still writing and listening to a whole bunch of other people that I feel are smarter than me or more experienced than I am. So when I'm getting praise on my articles and stuff, it's like, oh, this is nice. But also it's like, man, this is different. Yeah, it's like sometimes you just can't believe who like who's commentating on your work. It's like who's right. commenting or being like, oh, my God, this is. Very, a very insightful. And then you look at the name and you do the double take and you're like, oh my God, who, like this guy I've been watching, I've been reading their stuff for years. It's, it's such an interesting dynamic because you know that you're improving and you know that you're just gaining more respect in the industry, but it also just feels like, wow, I can't believe this, you know? Right. Like if you would have told me like writing these long Facebook posts on my phone and like writing articles on my phone, you would have told me like four or five years from then. Like I would have a Zach Lowe follow. Right. Like you're you're crazy. Like, no. Like <laughs> I like doing this. I don't know if I'm gonna get there, but I don't know. It's just it's just been a wild ride. It's very humbling. I get the I get the same feeling every time like I get someone I look up to in the industry follows me on Twitter. I get the same like I'm like, oh my God, is this is this an accident? Is this <laughs> Yeah, a lot. Oh, wow. I feel you, man. It's it's always weird. Like the first couple of days, I'm like watching what I'm tweeting. Like, let me make sure this isn't an accident. If I drop a pun <laughs> or something, then I'm <laughs> clicking the profile. Like, oh, wait a minute. Make sure you still follow me. Make sure she's still following me. Like, okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's just different, man. Yeah. So from freelance on to full time, what what do you think has been the toughest part navigating that journey? toughest part to getting to full-time or just yeah, toughest part to getting to full-time or when when you when you switched your goal from writing because you liked writing and then wanting to have a full-time job what was like the toughest thing to navigate through oh man it's within my control i would say it's just the time that's needed yeah to put into it if you want to do it well mm. because i mean you read enough stuff or you watch enough stuff like nationally the path is there to lean into more hot takey stuff and it's quicker and it's a lot easier and you get notoriety a lot, you know, a lot easier that way. But with what I want to do, like a lot of my work is X's and O's and film intensive. It takes so much of your time. So trying to navigate that while also living life. Like again, I said earlier, like I was in school and I did not finish because I prioritized the writing and the watching more so than that. And not saying that was the end of working out, 
but I can't say that was a great process for me. But um, navigating the time has definitely been a challenge. And then beyond that, this industry is so volatile. Yeah. Like seeing so many people that I read and respect and looked up to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow in my own right. And then I'll see these people like, oh, well, I was a part of the layoffs. And it's just like, man, if I'm trying to be as good as this person and this person just got laid off, like, what is my future here? Because, like, I don't feel like I'm there yet and they're not even full time. So, you know, trying to stay motivated watching that on the outside looking in is also tough. Yeah. And the survivor's guilt on those layoffs never it never gets easier. It always right. hits, it always hits you the same, especially especially when someone else gets like someone gets laid off and you're like, well, they were they were twice as good as I was at this. Why did that happen? And I like I also like what you mentioned about like the hot take kind of thing, because it's like, yeah, you can get a lot of you can get a lot of attention. But when you do it that way, it comes at the cost of your reputation. And is that something right. you really want? Right. And I like what you do in terms of being all analytical, the X's knows the thorough research. It's so cool to see like basketball analysis like that, because I know that I'm not going to get that on most NBA TV broadcasts. Yeah, that's uh, definitely true. But like, no, I guess like in a space like this, as volatile as it is, you have to find a lane. Yeah, and you have to you have to make sure that you're different. And like, not that me doing X's and O's stuff is super different, because again, like Zach Lowe's out there, like Mike Prater's out there. There are a bunch of people that do that, but it's still the minority in terms of like the actual, you know, the general landscape of NBA coverage. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like finding that lane made it a little bit easier for me to like focus and say, okay, if I'm going to make this a writing career, I need to make sure I'm going to be very good at this. Like I want to branch out to the other stuff. I want to do more feature writing. I want to do more interviews. I want to get deeper into like actual numbers because I am more film side than anything else. But I need to get, I need to have an end first. And I felt like the film and the X's and O's type stuff was my end. Ah. Do you think that advanced stats are like hard to access or learn if someone wanted to dive into that realm? Uh, I guess it depends, which is a bad answer. Like there are plenty of numbers out there and there are a lot of people that do that and, do, and they do it well. Like self partner is someone that does a fantastic job of not only, you know, implementing numbers into his work, but also makes it digestible, digestible for people that like aren't deep in the numbers. So I yeah. do think those people are out there. Um, I would say if you're just fresh into it, I guess the more difficult part is just finding out who those people are because there are still people out there that are like doing the numbers thing wrong. Or yeah. if you are new to it, there's a little bit of gatekeeping there that makes it harder to bring in new, um, you know, bring in a broader audience. So I think the harder part is finding the people that you can learn from. But as far as the actual information, I don't think it's difficult to learn. I mean, yeah, and that's a okay. that's a good point, because like NBA Twitter, you have so many kind of pockets, I want to call you Mm -hmm. have like you have joke. You have people that make jokes. You have meme pockets. You have analytics pockets. You have salary cap pockets. And I feel like it's harder to not infiltrate, but like get your name kind of heard in these pockets, because a lot of these like who's who and NBA Twitter kind of thing has kind of been cemented over the years because it's been about like five or six years, I would say. Yeah, I feel that. I think that's also why it's just it's so important to 
just be just be a good person. Like that's right. also a cliche thing to say. But like outside of the compliments I get for my work, the most common thing I hear when people do shower me with praise and it makes me uncomfortable or whatever. But when people <laughs> do shower me with praise, it's like, oh man, he, you know, he's such a nice guy. You know, he his work yeah. is digestible. He, you know, and it's such low-hanging fruit. It's like doing good work doesn't matter if you aren't reaching people or if people feel like they can't ask you things or talk to you. Like I have a following, but like you see me all the time, like I'm quote tweeting any and everybody for right. different basketball questions and stuff. Like you have to have that back and forth with people. And I think if you're fresh into like NBA Twitter or whatever, asking genuine questions and doing so in a way that isn't antagonistic, I think it makes it easier for you to get those questions answered. And once you get those answers, you kind of, you know, implement that information that you learned into whatever you're working on and you just build relationships from there. You know how it is about building connections. If someone sees you yeah. interacting with the who's who or whatever, then more of those bigger names will you know, interact with you and it just kind of snowballs from there. But I mean, it just kind of starts with, you know, being accessible, being genuine, being nice, being able to carry yourself in a, in a positive manner. And I think that kind of thing just kind of works itself out. Yeah. And that's why I'm such a huge fan of your work. It's like, it's educational, it's informative, it's entertaining. But the best thing about it is that I don't feel dumber. Like I'm not being condescended, like to, I, I'm not being talked at. I'm like, listening i feel like i'm just learning and there there are some twitter accounts out there that when you read it it's like how do you not know about this how could you possibly and it's like dude i i don't know everything about basketball like i don't there's many things i don't know like i feel like the fact that you're so humble and intellectual it makes you one of the best things about the twitterscape that's the big thing with now that i have like a rising platform like you have to understand that even if you are like a quote unquote authority on something, you don't know everything. Right. And that's so important. And I make sure that I convey that. Like just as quickly as I'll post a video with some sort some sort of breakdown during a game, I am very quick to like at people during a game, like, hey, I don't know what this play is called, but this looks really cool. Or if someone asks me an opinion on a player, like I'll I'll be willing to say, hey, I haven't watched this player enough to have an opinion on Right. And I think it's important to be honest about what you do and what you don't know. And don't put yourself in a position to where you're conveying this type of intelligence or you're being condescending towards folks with the stuff that you do know, or you're acting like you know something that you don't. Because once you run across someone that does know something that you don't, I mean, it, it becomes obvious. Yeah, so, it gets messy. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of funny to watch from afar as well. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Nothing like a good ratio at 1030 in the morning. Man, let me tell you. Twitter could be... <laughs> oh, man. Twitter could be hilarious sometimes. But yeah, man, you, you have to know what you don't know and be willing to learn from others as well. Ultimately, I gained my following from talking to a bunch of people that are smarter than me. And that isn't, you know, the people that are smarter than me don't all have larger followers than I do. Like, be willing to read other people even if they don't have a blue check, you know, be willing to listen to other podcasts, even if they aren't like top 10 or whatever rating who it is. Information is out there. Be humble, know what you don't know, seek out the information that you don't know, and just kind of build from there. What are some of your favorite uh, podcasts or writers? Oh man, this is a good one. Okay. So, we, can, we can, we can talk about, yeah, you got a long list. I would love to go through the whole <laughs> list. Oh man, it's funny you say that. Like there was a tweet. I may have tweeted something like maybe a month and a half ago. To where I said, I said something along the lines of, I want to, um, one of my goals for this year or this season 
is to crack like the top 30 of NBA media or whatever. And I got a bunch of comments, man, you're already top 10. You're already this. I'm just like, you know, I appreciate that. But also like, no, this isn't me seeking out compliments or anything like that. Is that a ranking? Yeah, like I legit have a note in my phone to where I have like 30 people that I look up to and read and listen to to where. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that's, again, I watch a lot of my own, but there are a lot of people that I, I draw from and a lot of people that I look up to in this space. So that's what, like, that was a genuine, no, I want to crack this top 30. That's a goal for me because I have the, this list of names that I'm actually looking up to. But like just a few, like Zach Lowe is obviously a huge one. Yeah. Chris Hand is my guy. Yeah, um, Mike yeah. Prada is great. Caitlin Cooper is honestly probably the smartest film person in NBA Twitter. She is freaking ridiculous. Oh, word. Yeah, she um, writes for Indy Cornrows. She's with okay. Education. Yeah, she, she's fantastic. Seared uh, is good. Um, yeah. Prada, I sat next to Prada uh, for about a year when I moved to New York. This man watches so much basketball. Yes. Because <laughs> I love how people, I love how people tweet out sometimes. When, you know when people tweet out, like, you don't watch basketball. Like, I would get to work at, like, 10, 15. He'll be there watching, like, Bucks Magic. And I'm just like, they're just like, wow. And then the entire like eight hours, like I thought I liked basketball. Nah, he, he loves he, basketball. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> like he's posted a screenshot of like the notes that he takes and I have no idea how he reads what he writes. But, <laughs> but like it's, that's the kind of work he puts in. And like I aspire right. to that because he, he knows a lot. And again, you can tell there's a genuine hunger for learning. Oh, okay, I don't know why this team is doing this. Let me watch and find out. Let me talk to people and find out. And it's good to see people with the platform that he has still work that hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just fantastic. I think for me, I watch a lot more like basketball YouTubers instead of like reading. I don't know. I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't. I I love uh, thinking basketball. Oh, Ben Taylor's for that man's a goat. God, I've been watching his uh, his greatest peak series. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. For those of you that don't know, uh, Thinking Basketball is a great YouTube channel, and they're doing a greatest peak series where he's trying to find who was the best player at their best. So it's like 2002, 2003, Tim Duncan, uh, Heat LeBron, uh, Bird. I learned about like Bill Walton's passing. I was like, this is this is very <laughs> educational. This is informative. I'm like, this is this is what I love to just like learn because I'm watching because, yeah, you can watch like old basketball highlights. Right. But then when you have the context and commentary at the back as well, like Mm -hmm. it's just it's just so brilliant. Genuinely do not know how he does what he does. I'm I'm very appreciative of the work that he does like that thing. Basketball series is great. His um, more of his long form writing. I think he had like a written piece on like the goat. Yeah, I think it was like a top 50 or something. He just does so much work. So and it shows, too. It does. It does. Like you can tell even on NBA Twitter, like you run into those fans to where you'll have an opinion of someone's favorite team or their favorite player. Like, oh, you obviously don't watch or whatever. But like on balance, you can tell who's actually watching a bunch and who is. Yeah, it becomes very, very apparent. Ben's definitely one that he, he watches a ton of basketball now he obviously has the historical context as well as he's doing these series he's one of my favorites in the business as well so you are the co-host of the dunker spot with steve jones jr 
how did that come into being and what do you aim to achieve with this podcast short term and long term uh steve is someone that i have followed for a long time um he is a former assistant coach also a former video coordinator so he has actual nba experience so with me being a film junkie and me wanting to learn more X's and O's, he was someone that I had a ton of respect for and wanted to talk more with. And even going back a little bit further, when I first got hired on the basketball news, um, or even like right before I got hired, when we were having the initial talks, um, one of the things that Alex Kennedy, big player in the site, he was yeah. asking me about like, how would I feel about having a podcast? Because he has a podcast. Um, some of the players that are on staff, they have podcasts. Um, like Chris Sheridan, old ESPN writer, he's he's on the site. He has his own podcast. It's like, so we obviously want you for your writing, but we also feel like you have more potential to expand into different mediums. So, like, how would you feel about having a podcast? And I was like, ah, sure, I guess. Like, I'm not a talker, so ah, this is also why I I write the way that I do. Like, I this is how I get my thoughts out. Like, I don't have to speak. So, <laughs> ah, I mean, sure. Like, it's something that I thought about but not something I expected to come to pass this soon. But I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, was just very excited to finally have a full-time offer on the table. So that also played a part into it. But I get hired, and then a month later, it's like, hey, so uh, what are you thinking about about your podcast name? I was like, oh, right. A podcast. Cool. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, that uh, the podcast that I've been uh, thinking a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> so but I eventually uh, ended up reaching out to Steve and he was, I got a very quick yes. And I was surprised. I feel like it's going to be a stab in the dark yeah. just to see. But he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Like, well, uh, that went a lot better than I anticipated, but I'm excited. <laughs> And, you know, we come with the name to Dunker Spot, which is a, a spot on the basketball court. But the aim of it is, is it's an extension of my writing in a way. Like, I yep. want to talk about actual basketball. One of the things I reel about on my Twitter account all the time is how narrative-driven coverage is. And, like, on certain national shows, like, it becomes very apparent who's watching basketball and who isn't and who's just kind of pushing storylines. And, you know, at a certain point, I'm just like, I can't just keep complaining about it on Twitter. I mean, I can, and I still do, but there has to be, <laughs> but there has to be some sort of solution as well. Like I'm doing that in my writing and I feel like that's helped me grow an audience because people see how much work I put in. And the comment that I get a lot is that I make, you know, I explain the X's and O's in a way that's easy to understand. Yeah. But doing so in podcast form has also been, it's been a different experience, but it's been a fun experience. Um, Again, like Steve has an actual coaching and film background. So he's able to convey those thoughts. And I'm able to bounce things off of him and just watching a whole bunch of basketball throughout the week. I'm just able to talk about that. And, you know, as much as I don't like to talk, it is a lot easier to talk than it is to pump out a 1,200-word article and clip videos and self-edit and all this different stuff. Yeah. So I think just the general goal is to make the game about the game and also dig deeper in a way that we can enhance like the overall intelligence of NBA audience. I didn't know that you didn't really like talking that much. Cause I, cause <laughs> for, for a couple of, I think I've talked to you like once or twice about being like, yo, Nakaya's YouTube channel. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, uh, I don't know. About, like I feel you, but I don't know about that one chief. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I remember I think 
we was playing 2K like three years ago, and I was like, yo. <laughs> The kind of YouTube channel, I think that would pop off. It'd be like, uh, you know, like a basketball breakdown or half-court hoops or one of those. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yo, this idea is about to hit. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I don't think, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, that's why, man. Like, if I can talk it or if I can write it, then I prefer to write it. Uh, but, okay. you know, as I've gotten more podcasts, where it's like I'm getting more comfortable. And, you know, people are enjoying the podcast. Like, we're doing well in terms of downloads. The ratings high. We're getting a lot of good reviews. So it's, it's definitely been fun to build it out. It's, it's been a step out of my comfort zone, for sure. Do you think that you're going to um, expand upon that in terms of, like, maybe making, like, TV hit if that opportunity presents itself? Or are you just taking it, like... I'm just kind of taking it episode by yeah. episode. Like, if yeah. a TV spot opens up, they're like, sure... I'll do a guest spot and talk about a team or whatever. But yeah, if that doesn't come, I, I won't be upset about it either. Like I'm very, I'm very cool. Just uh, keeping the camera off talking about hoops, man. That's really what I want to do. Yeah. I respect it. What's the, what's the best piece of advice you ever gotten? And uh, what advice would you give to people that want to be where you are? Oh man, we're digging back into the cliches. Uh, hey man, hey man. <laughs> sometimes the cliches work. This is true. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Uh, I would say on a basic level, if you're trying to write, like it's very important. I think more so than the actual writing, read a bunch. Oh, yeah. Read a ton of stuff. It doesn't even have to like I'm a basketball writer. Like I don't just read basketball stuff, but you will find. What else do you like? hmm? What else do you like to read? Uh, Like it's still mostly in the sports realm, I'll be honest. Yeah. But um. Like a quick example, like I do love football. Problematic as the NFL is, that is a problematic fave still. I am a recovering Eagles fan. Going through some stuff right now. But sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. But like um Benjamin Solak is someone that I read whenever yeah. he drops something. And he, you know, he has his podcast on the BGN network, also part of SB Nation. I feel like I'm doing a lot of cross-promoting right now. But <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> But no, I read and listen to everything he does because it's football, but like the level of detail that he gets into. Yeah. And the way that he's able to explain those details without just throwing out a bunch of football terms that people don't understand. If he uses it, then it'll be a, oh, they did this, which means this, 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 this. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then you can kind of put that in your memory bank and you know what to watch for, what to listen for, whatever. But like he's someone that I that I uh, pick up on quite a bit and try to implement some of the styles and the way that he says things and implement that into the basketball stuff that I do. So I would say for any writer, like obviously write as often as you, as you can without burning yourself out. I feel like that part gets left out quite a bit when giving out writing advice. It's like, Oh, write every day, write every day. And it's just like, that sounds great in theory, but burnout exists. Oh, absolutely. You have to keep, you know, you have to make sure that your mental health is sound. Yeah. So like a blanket write every day so you can improve your writing doesn't always work when you just don't feel like it. And then you get guilt for not writing and falling behind and it just snowballs. Then you don't want to do anything. So like you want to avoid burnout if you can. But write as often as you can healthily do. Yeah. Read a bunch. Again, be a good person. Like if you have questions, ask them without an agenda. Like don't be afraid to reach out to people because the worst thing that you'll get is left on red, which would suck, but yeah, that happens. Yeah, it, like sometimes people are busy, 
Um, on the worst end of it, some people have these higher spots in you know media or whatever. And it's like, oh well, this is a competitor. Don't want to give them too much. Yeah. So you can never really parse out the intent unless. I mean, yeah, you can really never really parse out the intent, but yeah, shoot your shot in terms of that kind of thing. If you're looking for advice, if you have links, like I wouldn't recommend like spamming like six, seven pieces in a row. But right. like, yeah. if you have that initial end, like, hey, do you mind if I send you something? If you get a response, like, you know, don't be afraid to reach out at least. Yeah, I remember when I was, I think I was a sophomore, junior in college, and I saw this tweet saying, if you are interested in entering this industry if you have any questions or want something to share i mean if you want some advice uh feel free to email this it may take a long time for me to respond but i will try my best to get back to you and i said okay cool so i did this i put i had a college website that i was i co-founded called the left bench in college and i sent this email being like hey I'm a real big fan of what you do. I am a junior in college trying to do this, this, and this. Here's my website. And I didn't hear back from them. And I was like, okay. 11 months pass. Mm -hmm. 11 months pass. I get this email coming back. They say, I'll never forget this. They say, um, usually by the time I get to these emails, the website that I click on is either like not running or it doesn't exist anymore. And it's really cool to see that your website is still up and that you're still writing stuff and still, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, like I, I had forgotten I sent the email, right? I'm here. <laughs> we were like, oh, that did happen. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so cool. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of creators quit before it would be time to quit. You know what I'm saying? Where a lot of people, they will, let's say, for example, like if someone wants to make YouTube, make YouTube videos, like they'll, they'll make YouTube videos for like the first month, but then they won't, they won't see, they may, they may aim too high and, mm -hmm. but they didn't know that they were aiming too high when they started out. Right. But when that happens, like it gets, it gets discouraging and then it, then they just stop altogether. But those kind of grinds take a long, long time. And it's mm -hmm. just, I wish that people like knew, like more people knew that like, Hey, like you'll, you'll be fine. Just like continue honing in your craft, continue doing what you're going to do. And if it happened, like if it happens, it'll happen. But sometimes these, 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 uh, climbs are s slow and steady and gra they're not like overnight. You will see some overnight successes, but that's not how it usually happens. Yeah. It's not the norm at all. Like, again, I started like my first real introduction to writing for an audience was on Facebook, helping run a Facebook page. Uh, my first, uh, my first post on that page, I think came the summer of 2012. Yeah. I got my first paid freelance opportunity in 2015. So wow. that's, you know, that's three years. Now, granted I was in like, again, like eighth, ninth grade. And then I got that in 2015. So I would have been, I would have been out of college at that point. Yeah. Since again, like I didn't do what I needed to do there, but that puts me at what, 22, 23 or whatever. But that, I mean, that's still quite age. I mean, that's a stretch. Yeah. So, and then from 2015 to August of 2020, when I get my first full-time job, like that's five years. So the grind itself, you know, it doesn't have to be that long, God willing, but it can be that long. Yeah. And it's also important to point out, like, I was able to go to college and then not be in college and kind of write on the side and stuff because 
I think, you know, when the whole unpaid internship conversation came out, like I tweeted about it, like, yeah, I was able to do all this stuff, but I was also living with my grandparents at the time. Yeah. Like I had, I had a job while doing that, but there was never a point where I had to choose between, do I want to stay up and watch this game or do I need to pick up a second shift somewhere because I'm not going to have lights if I don't pay my rent. Right. Like I've never had to, I've never had to worry about light, water, food. And that makes it easier to have that multi-year grind when you have that kind of safety net. So be cognizant of the help that you do have or don't have. So if that's factoring into how you, you know, if you want to cut things short or whatever, like just make sure you're within your, you know, you're within your depth, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the thing about the the unpaid internship thing that really, it it's, it's a very systemic thing. It's yes. very systemic. It's because I, because when you have someone that is like the same talent level, but one of them can't even can't afford, literally can't afford to take the position, then you're already like you're cutting out the potential that they have of working there. Right. You know, and the and not even the potential they have working there. It then becomes like a foot in the door and then you have all these other opportunities. All those future opportunities get squandered because of the fact that it's unpaid. And I remember I was working, I was interning at DC United. This was my second semester of college. Um, DC United was the summer and I only got paid for home games. So I worked, I did work about, I would work Monday through Friday. No, so yeah, Monday through Friday. Um, and I got paid for like every home game. So that was like four times a month. Um, after that summer, my dad was like, you're not doing that again. My dad was literally just like, I'm not letting you do that kind of thing again and i was like oh okay well i guess he was right <laughs> he knew he knew, he was like so this is a time where um we had an, my dad had an apartment in dc so i got I had a place to stay thankfully but yeah i was like i i can't imagine this being a position that a lot of people can like do right you know and that that sucks so when I saw that argument, I was like, we're doing this again. Like, how many times do I have to we have to go over this? That was part <laughs> of the frustration. It's like, you know, like, like you ultimately, mean, you know what the you, issue is. Yeah. Like no one's saying you didn't work. You didn't have to work hard on your unpaid internship. Right. The literal point is that you were in a position to where you could take an unpaid internship and not have to worry about if I'm literally going to survive or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean you didn't have to work at a bar or whatever and have some side money. But ultimately, if you were short on your rent, you had a mother, a father, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a cousin or something to be like, OK, well, I confront you this. And that makes it easier for you to take those yeah. unpaid internships and then build those connections and then build from there. You know, if you're working hard, doing good work, that option just does not exist for a lot of people. And again, like. I was able to fail in college and build upon unpaid writing. And then it was very lowly paid part-time writing and then getting more, you know, getting more um, opportunities from there, from SB Nation and Bleacher Report and places like that. And I still went full-time, but yeah. I never had to worry about, man, if the writing thing doesn't work, then I'm not going to be able to eat. Like it's, it's never been that. I don't know. That, that entire conversation was very annoying. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to transition into uh, some listener questions. Uh, these are all over the place. This just going to say this right now. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be good. OK. 
So our first one's from Lance Adelphia, and it says, settle a work, an old work argument. A poster is obviously the best non-clutch hype feeling in basketball. What do you guys think is second? What do you think? Hmm. Uh, if a poster is first, I would probably say, I think like a chase down block would probably be second. Ooh, okay. I'm between that and like a crossover. Like you're just breaking someone's ankles. Like it's obviously up there. But like if I, I go between that and the block. And I think the block just because it can be so demoralizing. I think I don't, I don't even think a poster is. I think the poster is second to getting your ankles broken, man. I think because sometimes because sometimes a poster, the big you, you do all you can do. That's it. Uh, like when you get your ankles broken, you are on an island. There's a, there's a <laughs> front. I I've only gotten my ankles broken. want to say two times. I've been dunked on a couple of times, once in tryouts. But mm-hmm. um, the one time I got my ankles broken was I was I wasn't even it wasn't even like organized basketball. I was in the on the blacktop. It's my freshman year of high school. So I was on the blacktop with like all of my new friends I only knew for like a month. Got my ankles broken. And to this day, they still will not shut up about it. <laughs> to this day. They forgot oh, I began no. dunked on. But the ankle broke breaking thing, that that is still remembered. Right. Um yeah, so I would I would go with uh <laughs> I'm going with uh, getting your ankles broken nah, easily. Fair. That's fair. All right. The next one is from Laz- Lazarus Jackson. Shout out to Lazarus Jackson. Does Nikias ever get the hankering to write a piece on his phone? Go back to his roots. And I, I, I changed the wording on that a little bit because. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a side <laughs> conversation. There's <laughs> a side conversation where I was just like, oh, what is happening here? And then I was like, OK, anyway. I think I get what he's saying, but yeah. You would write articles on your phone? Oh, yeah. Like, I got, when did I get this laptop? Matter of fact, I was writing for Heat Beat. Like, the crew at Heat Beat got to get pulled together and got me a laptop because I just didn't have one. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah. Like, when I was on Facebook, I was writing on, I was writing those posts on my phone. When I got to FanRag, I was doing, if I wasn't like on campus, at that point, and able to write, you know, after I left campus, I didn't have a computer at home. Mm. So, like, all of the articles that I would do were written on my phone, which is insane to think about, like, a 1,200-word piece being written. Like, I would literally pull up the Facebook app, write it, kind of self-edit from there, and then copy and paste it into, like, the writing, whatever. It didn't have it sent off for edit. And that's what I did until, like, the crew would heat beat. God bless them, like pulled together and got me a laptop. Oh, so wow. that, but to answer the question, no, I don't have an hankering for like doing that again. Especially now that I'm like implementing video and gifts and stuff like that. No. No. Oh, man. Were you yeah. Wow, I did not know that you were doing that. Yeah, man. That's uh that's the grind. Gotta do what you gotta do. But yeah. uh was was not always fun. Here is um Dinero Hoven. Are the Knicks for real? I don't think so. Like, but like, what do you mean for? I don't know what for real means. Yeah, that's what that's what's kind of good. Like, do I think they'll make the play in at the very least? Like, yeah, probably. Like, their defense is very good. I have no faith in the offense. And I think that's where it's like, do I think they're going to win a playoff series or something like that? No. Yeah. Because you're relying a lot on Julius Randle, who has been fantastic. But also, this is by 
far the best he shot in his entire career. And any slippage from the shooting from mid-range or from three is just going to kind of tank his value offensively. And from there, like, R.J. Barrett is very up and down as a shooter. And after that, the pickings get pretty slim. So I, I don't believe in their offense enough to be like a serious threat. But they've defended well, they're coached well, so playoffs are probably likely. Okay. Our next question is from Plus SFC. How many points do you think The Rock could get if he joined the Heat and played in a game against the Timberwolves? <laughs> what? <laughs> are we talking like Dwayne Johnson? Is this yeah, well, I think we're talking about Dwayne Johnson. If The Rock joined the Heat I'm gonna and go played with, the Timberwolves... I'm going to go with zero. I guess the easy answer is it doesn't matter if he can... Score. I don't. I don't know. I. I'm gonna go with zero here. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. Oh my god. And then the next one is Green Pepper Boy. How many plants do you have in your room? I have two personally, and one is not doing so great. Um. Oh no. It's <laughs> <laughs> my the first one time. With an asterisk. Yeah, one with an asterisk. Um. It's a learning curve. This is my first time being in charge of plants since uh, I my grandma would make me water her garden. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> uh, I do not have any plants in my residence. Um, I don't know if that's going to change, but uh, as of now, I do not have any. It kind of livens up the the atmosphere a little bit. I think I think it's my one of my best pandemic purchases besides um, LED lights. So that's pretty fancy right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm still stuck on the rock question. I just didn't know what to do with that. It, it came out of nowhere, right? Oh, came man, out of that's no- it, Like, did the, the... I wonder if the... Like, I don't know if there's documentation of the rock playing basketball. I have never seen it. I know he used to play football. Right. <laughs> but, hmm... The next one, next question for is from Bryce Patrick, and it's ask him how it feels to be famous. Can I just say I just hate the framing of this question? <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh my god, that is quickly becoming like it's like pet peeve adjacent. It's like a, it's right? like a, it's like a bit that you you don't really like. Yeah, it's not it's not a bit that I subscribe to. Right. I must say, like, oh man, <laughs> I am just because like Twitter only means but so much, right? Right. Yeah. So there's that, and also, again, I just kind of put my head down and work. Like, I'm not out here big timing people. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. feel I don't feel like I'm the most important person in the room. In fact, like I feel like part of my growth is that I am very intentional about never being the smartest person in the room. That, like. Even in my group DMs on Twitter, um, I'm in a couple of basketball chats. I make sure I am not the smartest person in there because I want to learn. Like, right, so exactly. The framing of fame is just kind of like, eh, that's not the that's not the attention I want. Twitter fame is like, it's so people because people think it's one thing, but it's like also like, dude, I can go outside and not like get, like that's there's that's that's fame going outside and being recognized. Yeah, that's a like that's a fame thing. That's not a yeah. It's uh, like I have been uh, I have been recognized in real life from Twitter I think one time in my yeah. entire life, and it was at a Hawks game. Um, 
the guy reached out like, hey, man, I follow you on Twitter. I really enjoy your work. It's not the thanks, you know. And, you know, me and him still cool, follow each other to this day. But like, yeah, ain't nobody knocking down my door for autographs or anything like that. And it's also annoying just yeah. like even having the following on Twitter. Yeah. There have been like a few occasions to where like, you know, a friend of mine will tweet something and then I'll respond and then I'll get like third party like, oh, we have talking about your tweet in the group chat. And it's like, why? Why Dude. am I? Why? We don't have to. <laughs> That's odd. Some, sometimes I get contact from people that I like went to high school with or went to middle school with and they'll be mm-hmm. like, look, I saw your tweet on like Reddit. And I was like, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> and that's how I find out sometimes that my content it, like it goes over Reddit because like not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's on Twitter, man. Like Twitter is such a vacuum of like things, you yes. know? And then the f- other time, one time that I got the one time that I did get noticed in public was a month before the pandemic and i went to a kenny beats and denzel curry concert mm-hmm. and we were in line and this kid this guy was like are you kofi and i was like uh <laughs> yes and he was like oh yeah i'm a huge i'm a pet of your stuff i want to mention the secret base i was like oh thanks man that's so cool that's thank thank you for like that I was so awkward. I was as awkward as I was trying to say this right now. Um, and yeah. the thing about that is that we were still in line for like 20 minutes. So uh, it was it was one of those things where it was like you get back to like talking to who you're with, mm-hmm. but then you're there's still an earshot and you're just st- like and so <laughs> oh no. So for 20 minutes, I was just like, oh my god, this is so I was like, oh, was I was I nice? Was I mean? Was I? Mm-hmm. And then after the concert, I saw that kid again. And I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry if I was awkward back there. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry if I was awkward that back there. I've never been recognized in public before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, hey, dude, do you want do you want a bottled water? And I bought them like three waters because it was so hot in that concert. <laughs> And then, then we went our separate ways. And that is the story. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. You bonded over a secret base in water. That's so wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the thing, I feel like the thing, I think I was talking to someone else about this on NBA Twitter, is that I haven't, like, been to, like, NBA Twitter events, you know? And by events, I mean, like, I haven't gone to, like, an NBA Summer League and, like, met anyone. Or I haven't been to, like, an mm-hmm. NBA All-Star game and met anyone. I feel like, I feel like I've been missing on, like, out on those. Not even, like, networking opportunities, but just Joe's just, like, saying hi to all these people that you followed and, like, mm-hmm. known over the years. And I, I kind of, like, regret that. So I'm trying to make it to a Summer League or an All-Star game whenever this, yeah. whenever this thing is through. How are they? Oh, man, they're fun. They're fun. I hate. Yeah, I missed out on summer league um last year and it looks I don't know what they're doing this year, obviously. Yeah. But that's that's been a highlight of my year for like the last two or three years now. Just meeting a bunch of my online pals. Because like you can be in you can talk to them on the timeline, you can talk to them in a DM or whatever, but like it, there's nothing like actually hanging out with some of these people that you know are like super cool and that you built these relationships with. So I miss it. I hope the the outside opens reasonably within like the next year or so, but I have no idea because uh, 
the uh, the country is countrying right now. So country, big country, and man, <laughs> big country, and man, it. I remember I went, I went, I was like, yo, this is gonna be like four weeks, right? No, not it, right. It could have been, wrong. but could have been, yeah. But country is country. I was like. There was a part of me that was like, I think we have a chance. And I think about all the times I went to the, like, the North Carolina State Fair, and I was like, nah, we're doomed. <laughs> I'm like, nah, we're, we're done for. I feel like if you've ever been to like a big gathering in the South, where it's like just... Or if you've ever been to a state fair or an amusement park, and you've just seen like people, you're just like, no, this is, this is doomed. <laughs> like, even beyond that, like you hop on, you click through your Instagram stories. You pop up, you know, you go through Snapchat or something. You see what the people yeah. that you're following are doing. It's just like, man, we ain't never going to be free if this is what we're doing. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another good episode of Chillin' with Kofi. Nikias, thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time just talking about basketball and catching up. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. Long overdue. Long overdue. We got to play 2K again sometime. Man, I need 2K to play 2K at some point because <laughs> Jesus Christ, what have they done? For those of you that don't know, um, on 2K, uh, Nikias, do you still make the rosters? Do you still do that? Uh, I do not. I think I made my last roster on 2K. I think 2K is either 2K19 or 2K20. Okay, well, because besides 2K21, the last time I actually played 2K was 2K18. So I took, I did take a two year, I took like a two and a half year break, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do remember that you had like such, um, accurate, you had such accurate, you had more accurate rosters and I was like, yeah. this is it, great. Yeah. Like I, I just legit don't have the time for it now. Right. But that, yeah. that was just, that was something that I, I would love to do. Like I didn't like being mad about how bad the ratings were, but also it was like, man, I, I got a project. I have something to do on 2k because you know, you play my career after a certain point, it gets repetitive. If you hop online, it's fun when you're playing with your friends. But if you aren't and you run into some randoms in the wreck on the park, right? it's not an enjoyable experience at all. So, like, the roster building was something that I could just kind of dig into, um, get feedback from other people, kind of do franchises. And, you know, I was I had my own 2K league that I was hosting. Um, haven't done one in uh, haven't done one for 2K21. Um, the P- I mean, the PS5 rollout has just been kind of stupid. So, like, actually getting, waiting on my friends to get PS5s yeah. has been an experience. But also, the game itself is just kind of... A lot of work to do. It's, still. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's, let's put it that way. It's a lot of work to do. <laughs> for those of you that are listening for the first time and would like to rate and review this podcast, feel free to go to Kofi on Apple Podcasts. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher maybe. I don't know. Wherever podcasts are found. But again, thank you, Nikias, for stopping by. This is one of my this been this has been one of my favorite episodes so far. Can't wait to edit this. And thank you guys so much and I will see you guys next time around. Bye.